Hi, my name is Ben Meyer. Uh, this is episode two of the Sermon Diaries. Today I'm here with Miss Claire Gallagher talking about her vocation, which is she's a consecrated virgin of the church. And she is here just to tell her story and how she came to be that and everything that entails with it. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Um, of course. It's a gift to be here and to be able to share my story. So um, I guess I'll start off by sharing just a little bit about how I grew up and where I came from and kind of what led me to this point. Um, so I grew up in New Orleans uh, most of my life since since I was five. My family moved to New Orleans when I was five from Slidell. And so I grew up pretty much in the in the greater New Orleans area for my, my whole life. Um, so I went to St. Clement of Rome in Metairie for elementary school and then uh, Dominican High School and then uh, went to UL in Lafayette for college and then came back to New Orleans and got my master's in theology from Notre Dame Seminary and uh, and now I teach at Dominican. So, um, But anyway, I, I guess just to kind of give like a an overview of what my life was like. Um, I, I grew up in a really beautiful family. I was very blessed in the sense that my, uh, my family life experiences were all very positive and very, um, just very beautiful. Like my parents are, um, still happily married. Right. And, and I have three older brothers who are all married and have children. And, but even when we were kids growing up, my dad's the oldest of eight. So you know, all of his siblings have beautiful families. And so it was constantly, my mom's side of the family as well, we constantly, I feel like we're just going to weddings and then like going to the hospital to see babies. Like <laughs> as someone was always getting married and having a baby. And that really, when I reflect on my childhood and my family life, that those memories really like dominate. Um, and, I, and I think, I realize now uh, that they they formed me in a lot of ways. And so you know, when you when you have positive experiences of something or you see something that you perceive as good, then you want that thing. So it makes mm-hmm. sense, right, that for my entire life, I saw all these positive experiences and, and examples of marriage and family life. So I just always thought like, yeah, I want that, you know, looks great, yeah. um, looks like fun and I love babies. And, you know, so uh, mm-hmm. I always dreamt about, you know, as a lot of little girls do, I'm sure I dreamt about getting married and having like six kids, you know, and like all, I had all these plans for myself, you know? Um, but I also remember like being very young as, as a fourth grader, fifth grader, maybe I was an altar server at St. Clement. And I think it was for one of my brother's confirmation masses. And at the end of the mass, the bishop, I'd, it might've been Archbishop Amond actually, but I'm really, I don't know for sure. I'd have to go back and like, you know, look it up. But, um, but whoever the bishop was, he asked the question at the end of the mass, he was talking about, you know, young people and listening to God's voice and hearing the call and not being afraid to say yes. And so he kind of proposed this question, um, which I think was probably intended for the confirmation candidates. But he asked, you know, has anyone here ever uh, ever thought about becoming a priest or, or a nun? And for some reason, my little like shy fourth grade self I raised my hand. And so then he like called me up to the front of the altar and was like, well, when did you first start thinking about becoming a nun? Or when did you start first start feeling called, uh, or to be, to be a nun? And I was like, well, you just asked if I'd ever thought about it. 
and I've thought about it, but I don't want to be one. And so then yeah. I kind of ruined his moment, you know, <laughs> but it was funny. Everyone laughed and, and, but I remember thinking like, why is this funny? You know? Cause I think I just thought like everyone thinks about this. Yeah. Everyone considers it, but apparently not everyone does. So, um, so yeah, it was kind of like a joke, you know, but, but now being where I am now in my life, I look back on that and I think it's kind of profound because I think, um, even though I didn't really know what I was talking about, it, it tells me, I don't really have vivid memories of this, but it tells me that even as a young child, there was some sort of sense within me that maybe I was, maybe I would be called to something different. Um, and that was true even throughout high school and college. I dated a lot. I had a lot of, uh, not so good dating experiences, but I also had a lot of good dating experiences. And, you know, again, I was, I was still drawn to the idea of marriage. I was still drawn to the idea of, of having a family. Um, but I have to say, like, throughout all of that, there was something within me um, that I just felt like, I don't really know if this is going to happen for me. And I think when I was younger, um, I misunderstood that as mm. as like just me being insecure like oh no one's no one's ever gonna want to marry me like I'm not pretty enough or like I'm not I don't have the things that guys are looking for you know yeah um but I think I realize now that it was a deeper it was something much deeper that was telling mm. me like no you're actually like I'm I'm calling you to something different um but you know I I did I had positive dating experiences the last dating the last relationship I was in before I began uh my my formal discernment was a really positive experience it was a great relationship with like a really awesome catholic guy um but even within that experience I felt something telling me like this is not you know this is not what you're what you should be doing so um so just like in your dating um Kind of like, what was the things in, especially in your last relationship, you were saying mm-hmm. you were like feeling like, what were the feelings that you were feeling telling you like, this is not for me? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, th- and especially in my last relationship, that last relationship, it was like the weirdest breakup that I've ever had because, um, we, it was kind of like a mutual thing, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, like any girl, you know, like I kind of felt like it was coming, but like I didn't really want it to come, but I knew that it was going, you know, I was like, "Eh, Mm -hmm. this is not really working out and I know it's not working out and I think I know why it's not working out, but I'm not ready to like go there yet. Um, So in in that relationship, it didn't feel, um, again, there was nothing about the relationship that I was like, oh, this is not of God or like this person is leading me into sin or Mm. this is not like a virtuous relationship. Like all of those things were there. I think there was just, um, and I think for him too, we've never actually talked about this. I'd be curious to hear what he thought, but like, I think for the guy that I was dating too, like, I think he was, he was sensing like, this is not the this is not going in the right direction or mm-hmm. or this it to me it it just kind of felt like this is good like all of the good elements are here and everything that I you know I was never the kind of girl who had like a checklist of like this is what I want my future husband to be like you know there were certain qualities yeah that I looked for but I wasn't like oh he has to be 
you know, five seven or taller and he has to, you know, look like I didn't have that. But then once I started dating this guy, I was like, wow, he checks all the boxes that I would have if I had a list, you know? Yeah. Um, and so in that sense, it was, it was confusing, but then also very telling to me because it was like, okay, here's a guy who has everything that I could possibly want in a future spouse, but I still feel like this isn't it like something is still is still lacking so that's kind of what it felt like in the relationship but I have to say that once we broke up it wasn't until I because after I after we broke up that last relationship I was really angry but I wasn't angry about like the loss of the the guy himself Mm. But I was kind of like angry with the Lord for wasting my time. Like, yeah, it's kind of like, why do you, why do you, why would you send me this guy? And like, why did, why did you keep sending me all these men in general, like to be in my life for me to like become attached to and like invest in if this is not like, if, ne- if nothing's ever going to work out, because that's the way it was feeling. So almost kind of out of spite, I just decided like, I'm not going to date anymore, you know? And and this was right before Mardi Gras when we broke up. So it was like just leading up to Lent. And so then once Lent started, I kind of made it a thing like I'm giving up dating for Lent, you know? It was yeah. kind of like a joke, but like it wasn't a joke. Um, and so it wasn't, going back to the feelings, what it felt like, what you were asking about, it wasn't really until I was out of the relationship that I started to realize, I started to feel, it took a while, but I started to feel so much peace in like, not just not dating, but in but in cultivating a deeper relationship with the Lord. And it wasn't until I did that, that I realized how much anxiety I had whenever I was dating or like whenever I was considering marriage or pursuing marriage, if that makes mm. sense. So. It wasn't so much that when I was in a relationship, I felt like, oh, this is not right. This is bad. I need to get out and like discern religious life. But it was once I was out of it and I really started to like give the Lord the time that he was asking for from me, that I began to realize I could compare like, oh, this, I feel really at peace and I actually really kind of like this way of life, you know? And like, I never felt this way when I was dating and I never felt this way when I was like looking for someone to date, you know, whenever it wasn't until I kind of, to me, it was like, I'm going to have this trial period where I'm just not going to consider marriage as a possibility for a while and just see what happens. Um, and it wasn't until I did that, that I realized all of the anxiety and kind of just like unrest that I had when I was in yeah. a relationship, if that makes sense. So like how what what was like the time span did it take you a long time to realize or was it kind of quick um so the to realize like consecrated virginity in particular Mm, not so much that just like um yeah so like realizing like the relationships i was in Mm -hmm. not only was i not like happy in them but there was a reason i was put through them to Mm -hmm. help me realize i was missing something yeah, actually, I guess relatively speaking, it was pretty quick um, because mm. I think, but I was also old, like, I mean, not old, but like I was 
32 or 33 when 32 I think mm-hmm. when my last relationship ended so I think I had been through so many relationships yeah. and so many attempts right that like by the time I reached this point I think I was just really ready so I guess the there's two answers right it took a really long time over the general span of my mm-hmm. my like young adult life it took me years to realize but after that last relationship it was probably um it's probably like two or three months when I was just like okay yeah this is not like I'm not called to marriage and I I knew pretty quickly and it it, that was also like I was in spiritual direction I was talking to a lot Mm. of people who um either were consecrated virgins or were living similar you know priest friends and things like that um to kind of get a lot of guidance but yeah, after that last relationship, um, because I think I finally took the time to like ask the question, like ask ask God the question that I had always been afraid to ask because I wasn't I was afraid of what the answer was. But once I asked the question, God was like, "Okay, here it is. Now you're ready, and I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. tell you the truth, you know, because okay. now you're ready for it." So, um, yeah. So I guess there's it's like both and right it took me a really long time to realize it in the sense that it took me a really long time to be ready to hear that from him um but once I was ready I was ready and then it was like okay this is you know um but then it you know the journey after that was a little bit longer because I also felt like I don't want to be a nun and uh and I didn't even know really what consecrated virginity was or that it was an option Mm. so um, there was still a little bit of unrest there because I felt very convicted that I was, you know, all of a sudden I was like, I'm not called to marriage. Like this thing that I thought I wanted for my entire life, I'm realizing um, that's not what he's calling me to at all. But then I also felt I did not feel called to like living in community and like or like being cloistered or wearing a habit or like those yeah. like kind of, you know. Given yeah trademarks exactly um and so then it was kind of like okay well what am I you know what is it that he's calling me to so um so yeah I guess I don't know if that answers your question definitely yeah um, but it was relatively speaking I think it was pretty quick mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. but uh once I was ready for it yeah okay so um. You said last year, around this time, is when you were consecrated? Yes, September 18th. So, what is it like trying to, like, live that out? Mm. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, because uh, it's, it's hard, right? Um, and the interesting thing about this vocation is that it's, it's, it's consecrated life, right? Like, I'm a consecrated person, um, but the the... the so so interiorly and like inwardly um it's something very specific and something very unique and like i made these promises to the archbishop you know him representing yeah. christ in front of a ton of people and so it's a very it's a very public vocation in that sense um but then at the same time it's like exteriorly and like on a day-to-day basis it looks very similar to like the lay person, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, there's a lot of, um, and because of that, there's a lot of, a lot of beautiful blessings that come from it. And then there's also a lot of challenges. So, 
what is it like? Um, I would say that it's, you know, I, I didn't like wake up uh, after the day of my consecration and think like, okay, now I have to be this person, you know, because um, I think the, the discernment process and the formation process um, kind of, it prepared me really well. And a lot of those things that a consecrated virgin is asked to do, I was already doing. So it was kind of a, for the most part, like a smooth, mm-hmm. a smooth transition. Yeah. But in a practical sense, it looks like, um, you know, we're consecrated virgins are committed to pray uh, morning prayer and evening prayer from the divine office, okay. liturgy, the hours. So most priests um, pray, I think it's at least five times a day um, from the office. And then if you're like a, um, re- if you're part of a diocesan, but then if you're a um, religious priest, then you might pray like seven times. So it's a, there's there's different uh and then like deacons, diocesan deacons, they only do morning and evening prayer. So um I'm kind of on the same uh same wavelength as a deacon because typically consecrated virgins, deacons, they have like jobs out in the real world. Mm-hmm. So the expectation is a little bit different because we can't yeah. We don't, we don't, we might not necessarily have the kind of job where we can stop in the middle of the day and, and pray. So, um, but I am, I'm committed, obligated to, uh, at least morning and evening prayer every day. Sometimes I do more than that, depending on, you know, my schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, daily mass is also an obligation and then, um, in a holy hour. So it, as much as my schedule will allow, obviously if I, you know, I get to work at well, I go to 7 a.m. mass usually and then go straight to work across the street after that. But, uh, you know, if I have to be at work until like 9 p.m. for something and I can't make can't make it to a, an adoration chapel, then that's OK. Um, but I'm as much as my schedule allows, I should be doing like a holy hour um, every day. And sometimes if I can't make it to an adoration chapel, I try every day to do that if I can. But if I can't, sometimes I'll even just like do a holy hour like in my apartment you know um just make it like okay like all the technology is off the notifications on my phone are off like and i'm just gonna sit and have this time with the lord Mm. and you know on my patio or whatever um so so that's what it looks like really on a practical level um you know like as far as what i do and then i also um made a promise of obedience to the bishop which means that like I, um, if I were to, to want to move like to another diocese, um, to take another job or for whatever reason, um, I would have, I would have to ask the archbishop for permission, um, which, you know, if it were for a good reason, um, he would most likely say yes. But, uh, but I'm kind of, I've kind of like, in a sense, vowed myself to a life of service and prayer to the church, but specifically in this diocese. So if I were to want to leave, he w- I would have to have his support in that. Gotcha. Um, and then I also promised to pray for our diocese every day and like the specific needs of our diocese, the specific needs of our bishop. Um, and then I also got to pick, uh, consecrated virgins can kind of discern for themselves a particular um, intention or, or purpose or charism that they feel called to. And so I pray every day for young people um, who either don't believe in God or, or haven't yet come to know God. Um, mm. So, yeah, uh, again, I don't know if that answers your question. Yes, definitely. I mean, otherwise, I teach at Dominican, which I consider, of course, 
part of my vocation. Another mm-hmm. big part of consecrated virginity is this idea of spiritual motherhood. So one of the beautiful things about this vocation is that it allows me to have um, what I like to call and what a lot of the the saints who are consecrated virgins speak, of, they use this terminology of like an undivided heart. Um, and so, you know, I don't have a husband and children to go home to after work. And so, um, and, you know, it's like a, a practical thing, right? Cause like, I don't feel the anxiety of like, oh my gosh, I have to leave right after school's over to get home or go pick up my kids or cook mm-hmm. dinner for my family. Um, but also just like emotionally and mentally, um, being able to invest in my students in a way that I feel like if I had my own biological children, I would kind of have to like, like preserve some of my energy so that I had something to give them when I got home at the end of the day, if that makes sense. But because I don't have that, a lot of people think like, Oh, that's so sad. You never get to get married and you never get to have children. But for me, it's like a gift because, because I have, you know, said no to, marriage and and children in the biological sense I'm more free to really give myself to my students so I really do see teaching and even like the ministry that I do at St. Clement still I see that as a part of my vocation and like the the students that I teach the people I minister to like they are my children you know Mm. um and so a lot of times people say like oh doesn't that make you sad or aren't you lonely like no, not at all. <laughs> you know, like yeah. um, my life is very full in that sense. So, um, another thing I wanted to ask you about was like, within, like your school community, mm-hmm. not not having a divided heart, as you said, it it makes you, um, does it make you feel more like, not only able to give yourself more, in a sense, and physically. But like emotionally, because a bunch of the girls that you teach could be going through things that you experienced, like with your dating, yeah, having all these relationships, yeah. Does it make you emotionally receptible to them in there? Yeah, I think so, and I think, um, I mean, that's something that I would I would be curious to hear like their answer to also, but mm-hmm. but yeah, I think so, um, and I think. What I've kind of perceived from my relationships with a lot of my students is I think they feel kind of like a there's very much a safe space in my relationship with them. And I think they mm-hmm. feel um, it's almost kind of like, well, Miss Gallagher's done this really weird thing with her life, you know, and like, yeah. so so I think they feel a freedom to kind of to kind of ask those questions and like share knowing that like I'm not going to judge them for the things that they're feeling or the things that they're experiencing because like I'm doing something really weird you know like I'm doing something very countercultural and and Mm -hmm. so I think because of that and I think they know I think they sense that I have um or at least at least I hope they do I think they they sense that I have kind of this freedom of like yeah I can stay after school and just and just listen. I mean, this, that happened the other day, you know, this, this girl was like, can I just talk to you after school? You know, and it, it didn't have anything to do with dating. It was about her family and things that she was struggling with. But, um, but yes, emotionally, I think for whatever reason, I, I don't know if that's just something that comes with like maybe young people and their, their perception of like, oh, this is a person who represents the church 
and like the church represents God and, and God is love. And so this is a person who's going to just kind of like embrace me and, and I can come as I am and, and, and not have yeah. to worry about, um, yeah, I don't know. I hope so. Um, but, but I, I feel that way and I, and I pray that that's the case, um, that, that, yeah, emotionally and, and just, and even spiritually, right. That there's like a, a freedom there, um, where, where I can just receive people, my students for who they are and, um, and just be available to them, you know? Definitely. Well, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Of course. Thanks so Um, much for having me. I would like to ask you to close us in prayer. Of course. Yeah. In the name of the Father, Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen.